spoken to you uh, over, this, over this last year, all right? So uh, take some notes, be attentive uh, to the voice of God through 2019. There's things that are huge that we have to understand that are epic that we are a part of, yet at the same time it collides with what is intensely ordinary. At the same time that we have to be part of and connected to this, this great grand story, we also have to be very present in the smallest moments of life. And God resides in both of those spaces. So we need God, and we need to know God as above all things, and we also need to know God as in every moment. And here's what you need to know about identity. First of all, identity is received, it is not achieved. If we think identity is achieved, then we will be arrogant and proud in our success or depressed and terrified over our failure. If we think identity is based on achievement, then we will live performing. And there will be no security in your identity if your identity is predicated on activity. What Paul says is in order for us to grow up into living in the community that God has designed, we must know our identity. So this is the standard that we put on character, that we put on love that we let peace rule, that we let the word dwell, that we do all in the name of Jesus. And as we do that by faith, we will grow into the new community that God has designed for us. So get shoulder to shoulder. And what I want you guys to do is circle. I want you to get really tight. Get close, get friendly, get tight. Your job, Caleb, is to get inside that circle. What do you think is gonna happen when Caleb tries to get inside that circle? That's gonna be really difficult, isn't it? But what was the instructions I gave the circle? I said, get tight. I never said, keep somebody out. Sometimes we can get to a place where we get so tight, we stop looking for people that are not connected to our circle. Because we can become such a tight-knit group that when Caleb shows up and he's like, hey, what's this Jesus guy all about? These guys are too busy staying tight. While faith is internal, love is proven externally. So love proves what's, what's going on in here. The root of our love cannot be apart from God. That's first. The root of our loving one another cannot be separated for our hope, from our hope. They, they had faith. They were showing it through love because of the hope they had laid up in heaven. This is the truth of the gospel. It's an interesting question when you ask, how can I pray for you? Basically, we're saying, listen, from your vantage point, we're going to ask the most powerful being that has ever existed something, what, what do you need? Like, what, what do you need to get from your mess into whatever future hope that you have? Let's... Let's ask the Father. That gives us insight into maybe what do we need in order for us to grow up? What should we be praying about for for us to move into the future that God has for us? What did the Apostle Paul pray for, for a church that needed to grow into maturity so that we could be trained in how do we pray so that we would grow up into maturity? 
Leviticus 11 says, be holy because I am holy. To be with God, to be restored into relationship with him, to enjoy the inheritance, which primarily is not about a land, it's about uh, being in the presence of God. In order to enjoy that, you have to be qualified, which means you have to be holy as he is holy. And the bad news is we left holiness behind a long time ago. So before God, we, we cannot qualify ourselves. We need someone else to qualify us. Who Jesus is, what he does, who we become, and how we respond. Any alteration to that order brings a different concept. If we try to start from the bottom up, then we become legalistic and we try to do everything in our own strength. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Many false gospels have come out of just taking this part. Jesus is just a simple man. He was a good prophet. He was a righteous person. But no, he was and he is the firstborn of all creation. He is before all things. So if you have ever wondered what, what is the position of Jesus in all of this, well, he is the centerpiece of it. So Moses wanted more. He was not satisfied with the works of God. He wanted God himself. And God was pleased with his request. It wasn't out of line. Moses understood the heart of God and what God wants is to form a people that know him, that love him, that seek him. Moses' experience is not unique. This is what happens for God's people throughout history. We're not talking just about people hearing things about God or just following in the ways of God, but repeatedly having firsthand encounters with God himself. Abraham, Moses, Isaiah, Nehemiah, Mary, Peter, John, the Apostle Paul, and that's just in the Bible. St. Augustine, Teresa of Avila, St. Francis of Assisi, Martin Luther, George Fox, John Wesley, Spurgeon, Fanny Crosby, D.L. Moody, A.B. Simpson, A.W. Tozer, Henry Nouwen. We see in each person a belief that personal communion and communication with God are both life-changing episodes as well as daily bread. Well, those times led to a place of confession um, confession has led to a place of, of, of wholeness, and I still struggle with sin, but I don't struggle to the point of um, succumbing to anything. Um, so now it, it's a matter of, it's a battle every day now. And, and my battle cry is, is uh, Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, where he talks about um, Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. A painful journey cannot prevent a living God from fulfilling his purposes for your life. God is not confused. God is not distraught. That's the journey that Joseph is on. So when God has spoken, when God has chosen, no amount of opposition can nullify your destiny. So while clearly Joseph's dreams are dashed, there is a ray of hope because in seeking to destroy Joseph, they have paved his way for him to actually fulfill what God had called him to do. So Joseph had an appropriate fear of the Lord, 
And we get that from Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, the first step of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Joseph had a fear of the Lord. In the middle of his hardship, could have looked at his circumstances and said, I'm going to find joy, hope, and refuge in Potiphar's wife. In the middle of our hardship, when temptation comes, we can find our joy, our hope, and our refuge in something other than God. To have a fear of the Lord means to be afraid of doing that. To be so aware of the, the majesty, the power, the goodness of God, that we would be scared of choosing something above him. You can experience disappointment in a small moment, and you can also be experiencing disappointment for decades. How do we find God? How do we encounter him in our places of disappointment? What Joseph simply did was to be faithful. If anyone had a valid reason to be disappointed in God, it was Joseph, whose valiant stabs at goodness brought him nothing but trouble. He interpreted a dream to his brothers, and they threw him in a cistern. He resisted sexual advance, and that landed him in an Egyptian prison. There, he interpreted another dream to save a cellmate's life, and the cellmate promptly forgot about him. I wonder, as Joseph languished, uh, for his virtue in an Egyptian dungeon, did he question, is God unfair? Is God silent? Is God hidden? Did those thoughts occur to him? Let's shift for a moment to the perspective of God, who is the parent. Had he deliberately pulled back to allow Joseph's faith to reach a new level of maturity? Through all his trial, Joseph learned to trust, not that God would prevent hardship, but that he would redeem even the hardship. The capacity of my soul somehow shrinks. If you want the capacity of your soul to love God, to hunger for God, to thirst after God, to pursue God in every area of your life, you're gonna need to pursue the presence of God. So you may be saying, Diego, can I just get by with the faith I have in my past experiences with God? My answer is no because your soul will shrink and you will be limited to live on the crumbs of yesterday's bread. And what God wants to give you is the bread of his presence today. I think we all understand uh, to some degree or another what self-talk is. It's basically those conversations that go on in our mind during our day, even when we are talking with people. Somebody is talking with you, and then you have this conversation going on in your mind. You say, hmm, this is what I'm going to say when they shut up. <laughs> if we press a little bit further, we'll see that self-talk can be life-giving or life-stealing. The conversations that go on in our heads are focused on one person, me. Self-talk, therefore, can keep us from experiencing the presence of God. Joseph finds healing as he participates with God in God's great story. 
And the healing was, it was such that he would say, he made me forget all my trouble and all the stuff I had to do with my household. But then he says, the second son said, is because God made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. If we remember that the story is about God's story and not just about our story, we can begin to look in the middle of a situation that is absolutely not fun and not right and everything about it irritates us and we can begin to say, okay, God, but where are you in this? Because you're in here somewhere. What I want to encourage us in is gospel conversation. You share out of a position of being attentive to the Holy Spirit, being attentive to this person's life, and then you enter into conversation. This is Jesus and Nicodemus. This is Jesus with the rich young ruler. This is Jesus with the woman at the well. Sharing the gospel, but in conversation. We have ended up in 2019 applying the same things that Jesus was asking his original 12 disciples to do. It's now our turn. It's now our responsibility for our generation and setting up the next generation to live out Jesus' design that has been going on for the last 2,000 years. In order for us to grow into that kind of Jesus-centered disciple, in order for us to mature, we're going to have to live in these three rhythms all the time. As a Jesus-centered follower, we're going to be discovering Jesus repeatedly, more and more and more. We're going to follow Jesus into every aspect of our humanity. There's not an aspect of who we are that Jesus isn't to be declared king over. And then a mature disciple goes and reveals Jesus. It's what we do. Peace is ours because of the arrival of Jesus. It's my prayer for Living Faith Alliance Church that this Christmas you'd have peace. God has designed us to live out our days on planet Earth as agents of peace. People that as they walk, as they move, they partner with God in bringing peace on earth. He's inviting you in your little corner of the planet, in your little moments of relationship, that you get to be an agent of peace where someone gets to experience the glory of God and peace on earth through you. So for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins.
So what I want to do now is just give you space. I'm going to have the team uh, just play some music in the background. And I want you to think through, as we've been encouraging you to do all morning, and write down what's, what's a word, what's a phrase, what is something that God has been speaking to you about over 2019. And maybe some of the teaching that you heard reminded you of a season of what you're walking through. Uh, but, but what has God done? What has he showed? Think of the words and the works of God because what we want to do is remember our Father. We want to be careful how we listen. Right? So I'm going to give you two, three minutes just to be quiet on your own. That's my gift to you, uh, to just to, to have space, to reflect on God's voice. And I want to borrow a phrase that, that Uncle Art uses all the time, to capture what God is doing, to capture what has he spoken to you.
So Jesus, you promised that if we are careful how we listen, if we remember and we're faithful in little, you will reward us with more. And so God, as I think of 2019 and things that you have done, ways in which you have led, ways in which you have been present through challenges, things that you have taught me. And God, and I acknowledge I'm, I'm only seeing a fraction. I'm only attentive to a fraction of all of your thoughts and works and words towards me. But Jesus, as I think of those and now I consider my future, as I consider 2020, just I'm anticipating more of you, longing for more of you. So God, I thank you that you are a faithful, patient, covenant-keeping God. I pray that you would be glorified as we continue to remember you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as we, uh, as we move through uh, into the fall, and we were in September, uh, then uh, October, November, we did a series, a vision series about the church, and we asked God, in order for us to live uh, as a Jesus-centered disciple, forming kingdom-minded communities, like what, what do we need to do? How do, how, do we need to, how do we need to grow? And so we picked six different areas for us to grow as a church in order for us to mature as Jesus-centered disciples forming kingdom-minded communities. So we wanna grow in biblical literacy, understanding God in his word, getting a worldview that is consistent uh, with God's thoughts after him. Uh, we want to pursue the presence of God uh, we want to pursue his presence as a, uh, a house of prayer. Uh, we want to grow in our local and global missions, our strategic partnerships. Uh, we talked about gospel proclamation and wanting to have increased gospel conversations where we would grow in our gospel fluency uh, as a kingdom-minded community and that we would have very clear, easy on-ramps to life-on-life -life discipleship very easy to get lost in a large community of people, uh, but to be able to grow as a disciple of Jesus in a life-on-life -life relationship. Uh, and then there would be spiritually equipped leaders. We would grow as a greenhouse uh, for the emerging leaders of a next generation of Jesus followers that can follow Jesus as leaders in every aspect of, of, our, uh, uh, of our social uh, construct, right? We need we need school teachers, we need principals, we need businessmen that think kingdom-minded. And so they need to be developed as leaders in their field, not just leaders within the church, but that the church can grow up kingdom leaders that then live out the mission God has in various occupations throughout our community. So a couple of years ago, we developed this thing um, that, that we have uh, that is a, about 
Um, we call it our LFA faith commitment, our living faith uh, faith commitment. And so uh, we bring that back every now and then. And I don't know if you realize this, but we try and teach certain uh, historic creeds of the church. We try and teach certain biblical passages by doing, uh, doing them repeatedly. But this is one that's our faith declaration that we want to bring back that we think captures something of a unified commitment as a church to follow what God has for us. And so I wanna put it up on the screen and let, um, I'm gonna read it for you and then we're gonna read it all together uh, as a declaration. All right, so we believe Jesus died for us to forgive us and to use us to bless others. We believe Jesus died to make us the new people of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit as an outpost for the kingdom of God in this world. So therefore, because of that, we will pray, not my will, but yours be done. We will minister to God in worship. We will minister to each other through our gifts and our talents as we live in community together. And we will minister to the world by proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel. All right, it's a very simple, beautiful commitment to, to give uh, an orientation to our lives. So would you please stand up with me? and we will, declare, we will <laughs> declare this together. We believe Jesus died for us to forgive us and to use us to bless others. We believe Jesus died to make us the new people of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit as an outpost of the kingdom of God in this world. Therefore, we will pray, not my will, but yours be done. We will minister to God in worship. We will minister to each other through our gifts and talents as we live in community together. We will minister to the world by proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel.